Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Arr, we're early Arr. for international talk like a pirate day here on the BWI Daily Edition. Uh, Ryan Snyder here with us. I'm Thomas Frank Carr, your ship captain today. We tossed Sean Fitz overboard, and uh, I don't know what this accent is anymore, but... Uh, You're having too fun a, with this. There's a, there's a reason. <laughs> if you follow me on social media, you already know the reason of what happened. I sustained an injury this weekend that required an eye patch. So this is my homemade eye patch, and uh, Ryan and I thought it'd be fun to start the show like Pirates today. He came with more props. Sword. Yeah. I I didn't want T Frank to be left out, you know, feeling like people were focusing on him on the podcast. So I figured I'll put my pirate hat on and, you know, dive into the theme today. So, yeah, here we are. You have kids, but that is not a child sized hat. Oh, it's a child sized hat, buddy. Yes. You just have a small head? (laughs) No, I'm stretching the hell out of it right now. It is. Very much a child-sized hat, so I don't know. I uh, just thought it'd be funny to to pop on here with a pirate hat, and you know, while T Frank has his eye patch on. So, but we do need to talk a little recruiting and be a little serious today as well. We we do. Um, for those that don't that, that didn't hear the story, I got hit in the eyeball with a uh, piece of food that was stuck to a towel. It was like being hit in the eye with a marble. Um, swelled up, swelled shut. And miraculously, luckily, uh, the cornea is very resilient. So I think I'm actually going to do the show without the eye patch today. But I wanted to know from Ryan, what is your weirdest injury you've ever suffered before we start the show? I don't know if I have really weird injuries just through sports, you know, meniscus. And I, my wrist is terrible. You can't see. I just have a massive scar on my wrist. But a weird injury? I don't know, man. I'm, I mean, I threw my back out a couple weeks ago just carrying my kids. So I guess that's up there. But uh, never had a chickpea hit me in the face, T. Frank. So I think you take the cake for that one, buddy. Well, luckily, I wasn't making a chickpea cake. That would be gross. Uh, coming out today, earlier today, the On 300, we'll be talking about that, plus some other good news for Penn State football. It, it seems like the uh, dam is about to break. We'll get into all of that on the BWI Daily Recruiting Show. There we go. You got you got to talk like a pirate still? No. No. See, the thing is, like, I have small eyes anyway. I don't have, like, big, like, round eyes. So you can't tell, but it's still a little puffy. But uh, I think oh, it's we not can so tell. Gro- <laughs> I think it's so <laughs> grotesque that I can uh, I can get through the show today. Wasn't expecting to be on the show, but, of course, Fitz is off. Um, so, you know, in another analogy, I'm your utility infielder here on the BWI Daily Edition. I just fill in whenever somebody needs a day off. And here we are. Ryan, the on 300 is out. Penn State is getting some good news. Where are we starting on the show today? What do you got for us? Well, I think we have to start with Kari Jackson, Kenny Wellesley, two guys that I think are going to be neatly lines here pretty soon. 
We'll start with Kari Jackson. I think that's the, the better one to start with. Uh, Kari put it out last week that he is aiming to make a, uh, some sort of announcement uh, Tuesday. I expect it to be a commitment, and I expect him to be committing to Penn State. Uh, Kari has not put that out there, but uh, people seem to be feeling pretty good uh, about their chances of landing him. Uh, linebacker prospect out of West Bloomfield in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. Uh, Kari played at IMG for a year or two. I think it was uh, his sophomore year that he came back to West Bloomfield for his junior season. Uh, visited Penn State, of course, January 28th-ish, I believe it was, uh, for that final junior day. Uh, Kari had 103 tackles, 23 tackles for loss, impressive number, three mm-hmm. sacks for, for West Bloomfield last year. And uh, I expect him to be a Mike uh, if he ends up at Penn State, which, like I said, I, I think is, is trending that way. So that would give Penn State two true middle linebackers in this class. Of course, Anthony Specka is already committed out of Central Catholic in Pittsburgh. He's uh, what I would consider a true Mike as well. So uh, if Kari does end up joining the class, uh, like I said, we, we, will, we will know tomorrow. Uh, uh, I would think that Penn State's pretty much done with, with middle linebacker. I know... I think as fans, uh, and even myself to some degree, I, I think we lob all linebackers together yeah. uh, when we talk like numbers and things. And Penn State very much does not do that. So I've seen people talking about like, oh, well, what does that mean for Jamonte Waller? What does that mean for uh, Chris Jones? What does that mean for a couple other guys? It, it means nothing, uh, mm. honestly. Uh, they, they will very much still try to find a, a true outside linebacker, a little more of a rangy guy. Uh, if they can get them. Now, with that said, there are, if you look at last year's class, taking three linebackers, you know, they're, they're from a numbers perspective, it's not a year where they have to really go all in on linebacker. But I just think there's too much talent. And I think that, that Penn State sees that as well. Uh, they, they like Speck a lot. They like Jackson a lot. And there's only two commitments in this class right now, right? So you have plenty of scholarships to play with and to figure it out then. So I, I think I think fans were wondering you know, why you have Specca? Why would you take Kari at this point when you already have Specca? I just think Penn State sees him as too good of a too good of a player to pass up. Kid fits the program really well too. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything, all my discussions, you know, great, great academically, you know, uh, great kid. So I don't see any reason why you you wouldn't take him at this point uh, if that's what he's announcing, and I, I believe that that is. So we will find out in about uh, 24 hours from now. I don't have a time for that. I'm hoping to work on that and figure that out here soon. But Penn State appears to be getting close to adding their second linebacker in this class. Yeah, and a really good football player. I think that it's almost becoming a derogatory thing to call somebody a true Mike in the, mm-hmm. these days because it means you, you're I probably agree. not fast enough to play another position. Uh, but I think the thing that these two guys have in common, talking about um, uh, Anthony Speck as well, is they're really smart football players. And maybe where Specka is a little more raw, a lot more raw. You see that IMG training and you see Kari Jackson. He's really, really good at football with his current size. Obviously needs to get a little bit bigger. But, uh, you know, a guy that has an early projection to the field based on his read and react skills. I mean, his highlight tape is basically like, okay, here's this run scheme. Here's me beating this run scheme. Here's this run scheme. Here's me beating that run scheme. So he like he's showing you even on the tape how smart he is just to, to present to you all the options that you would want. We talk about running back, and we say every year they might need to take two because of the situation and, you know, how running backs move off the roster. Is this a sign of 
not maybe how they feel about the current linebacker, Mike linebacker situation, but is this also a, a tell of what they think of the future of the position, um, given what they have now and what they had last year? Or is this just as you said earlier, it's just about these two players being good enough and they want to take both? That's what I just keep being told uh, that this is just, I mean, they have two commitments in the class, you know, like it's like, I think people, uh, because they already have a commitment at that position. Like I said, why, why would you take a guy now? But it's, it's not like they don't have ton to play with. I mean, we just did a, I just did a scholarship breakdown this past week. Uh, I, I won't, you know, we'll save most of that for premium and subscribers and stuff. But what I would say is this is projected to be a pretty big class. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I think this is going to be a class that's over 25 scholarships. So, uh, you, you can make a case, certainly looking at, uh, you know, some guys uh, breaking through. Like I, like, I think everybody just looks at Abdul, right? And they're, you know, yes. why, did, why aren't others breaking through? That's, you know, thing, things will be worked out with time. I, I just think that right now, uh, Kari Jackson, they think, is a, is a pretty damn good football player. Anthony Speck is a pretty damn good football player. When you have two commitments in the class, you're projecting to maybe have 27 total. Uh, why would you not? Why would you not take a player in on February 27th? So yeah, I, that's all I keep being told is just that it, it's more about what they think of the players than what they think about their roster. Yeah, and of course, you know, if he commits, we'll have a T. Frank's film room. But having watched him, I don't have a lot of comments. Like, just not a lot there to say about. Like, he's just good at everything. He's got a pretty clean pro- profile. So adding a football player that's like that i mean a high floor whatever you want to call it sort of situation at mike linebacker uh it's interesting that uh speed is not the primary driver of either of these guys i think specket is fast but i don't think he's you know that's not his calling card and, and jackson i think if there's an area where it's like he's good at everything he well, he's good at he's good at running i wouldn't call him a sideline a sideline guy does that surprise you at all uh, given Manny Diaz and, and how he, uh, it's presumably when you look at the defense, there's a lot of speed on the field most of the time. I think they have those guys. I think that's what Tony Rojas is. Yeah. You know, I, I, Abdul Carter's that. Uh, so I, I think KV on keys is going to be that. So I think they just, they, they need, I think they've seen maybe some issues against the run, you know, in certain situations. And I think we, we look at the defensive line uh, for that, but uh, you know they they need they need some guys uh, in the middle there to to muck things up and um, you know guys with yeah. size and guys that are going to be physical and uh, again it's the one thing I would stress is just the way Penn State looks at this is not linebackers it's middle linebacker outside linebackers there are two it's it's like quarterback yeah. and safety it's like defensive end and defensive tackle there are two they look at these things a lot a lot differently than I think you know myself and and a lot of fans kind of look at those things so uh, no I, I just I just think they need. They need two. They need talented guys, and they found two talented guys, and it's really as simple as yeah. that. The one other thing I would add too is, you know, when you look at Penn State's middle linebacker board, obviously Tyler Elson's a fourth-year guy. He's going to be out of here, uh, and then you know, you you Kobe King's already entering his third year. So by the time, uh, you know, these guys even get there, Kobe's going to have one more year left potentially. Maybe he stays for a fifth year, and maybe Elson stays another year too. But I can see this being Elson's last season potentially. Kobe would only have one season left. So then you need to re-up because then you have yep. Keon Wiley and then you have Tamir. And, and, you know, I think you want at least three to, to four middle linebackers uh, every year throughout your depth chart. So the one other thing I would add, too, is like obviously a lot of people have expectations for Tamir. You know, Manny Diaz went out of his way multiple times this year to call Keon Wiley one of the smartest players in his room. So I just want to make sure we're not like already like trying to overlook and read Move into yeah. is Keon Wiley not meeting expectations because – 
genuinely, I mean, everything that we've heard even off the field or off the record and then uh, publicly through Manny is that he's been very happy with, with Keon Wiley's progression too. So I just think it's it's numbers, man. You're losing yeah. Elsden. I think you're going to lose Elsden this year. You're going to have maybe one year left with Kobe, and then all of a sudden you, you kind of need some middle linebackers, and, and this is what they're doing. They're going to add these two. Uh, as long as uh, you know Kari commits, and I think he is, then they're, they'll feel pretty good about that. I uh, it, it's funny. I you, I try to find these common threads or these through lines of like, okay, what is X looking for in a player? What are the what are the the top traits? Blah blah blah. And it turns out, as you just said, they're getting good football players. So we spent a lot of time here on Kari Jackson, but that's not the only player that there's been an RPM pick for recently. Um, who's next? Well, Kenny was was hasn't really. I wouldn't say Kari. I wouldn't say Kenny was recently. Kenny was the beginning of February, uh, but there's been movement with Kenny as far as he put out his top schools this week. A lot of chatter that he's close to committing. When exactly it's going to come, we'll see. I think it'll be towards the back half of this week. Maybe it'll drag into next week, but I, I think. Uh, by the next time we're doing this podcast, Kenny Woosley will be committed. And just, I mean, just look at his top schools. It's clearly Penn State. Uh, he hasn't visited Nebraska yet. And I thought, what was his other one? Was it Michigan, I believe? Uh, he's been to Rutgers. But, I mean, to me, this is a Penn State-Rutgers battle. Uh, he's very much uh, a take, very much a priority for Terry Smith. Terry Smith needs numbers in this class as well. I mean, there's a lot of positions in this class where they need numbers. Uh, and, you know, this is a this is a potential 3-4 cornerback class depending on how things fall, could maybe be two or three, but I, I think they could potentially get to four if they hit on their guys. And uh, Kenny Wellesley, somebody they certainly want. So let's see. Kenny's kind of being quiet on when exactly it's going to happen. I kind of think we're looking at uh, the back half of this week uh, as the the time when we can maybe get some moves with Kenny Wellesley. But he's been a long priority, man. Penn State offered him. I mean, Penn State was like the third or fourth school to offer him. Came up, had a great seven-on-seven, I think, as a freshman. I mean, he's been up here for pretty much every seven-on-seven the last couple of years. Has always performed well. Um, you know, one thing that's funny, whenever I go see Kenny, <laughs> no one throws at him. So he's one of those guys yeah. where I've seen play multiple. I've gone and seen so many Imitep. Uh, Sean always corrects me. It's not Imitep. It's Imitep. I just go see many Imitep games and... Uh, you know, the, the Penn Trafford state championship game last year, I think they were, I don't know, they threw for like 30, 30 yards. So I didn't get to see a lot there. Yeah. And then uh, Bishop McDevitt this past year really didn't throw at him at all. And, of course, you can look at that as, uh, you know, him being on top of his guys and playing well. I just felt like it was kind of a mixture of both where yeah. he just really wasn't wasn't challenged and, all that and much. And here's but, the other uh, thing. Yeah. They, they play, and this is this is about being a good team, is they, they play kind of simple coverage, and he's playing – just don't get bit, beat deep. He's playing a lot of cover three shell coverages, so it's preventative as much as it is it's his reputation. I agree with you. Trying to watch some film on him, and I'm like just sitting here like, skip, skip, skip. Is anything going to happen? That's one of the reasons I hate scouting mm -hmm. corners is like you could spend two days actually finding film and then actually not seeing anything. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so what have you heard about his fit at Penn State in terms of slot? I think it's an interesting fit for him at uh, a little bit of a Daquan Hardy mold, a little undersized. He's physical. Um, you know, I know the numbers and getting another corner in the class, but does he have a specific fit or is he just, they're bringing him in to be a corner? Well, it's just going to depend on the other corners in this class. Uh, it's kind of too early to answer that, uh, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, he's a true 5'11", 165. You would think that, uh, and then you look at some of their other corners, are all 6'1", you know, got that got that Joey Porter build you would think that that makes sense uh for Kenny but talk to me in six months from now and they got 
if they added, I don't know, Emilio Agard, for example, he's another guy who's not quite as tall as some other ones. So it's just kind of kind of hard to say at the moment. But I, I would think that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but let's just kind of see on who else they hit in this class. I know they really want John Mitchell. I wrote about John Mitchell last week out of Jacksonville. I think he's a player that uh, all of a sudden we're going to be talking about a lot more. Guy that I think maybe I've been kind of sleeping on a little bit. So keep an eye on him and, and, and some others. But uh, but Wilsey, I mean, he's just a he's a, another kid that just fits the program really well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when he gets the opportunity to make plays, he makes plays. And uh, Penn State's not going to pass up on talented players from Philadelphia. They're they're always going to take those guys. And Terry's been high on him for the longest time, man. I, I can't mm-hmm. I can't stress enough how well Wilsey fits the program too. Awesome kid. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So I wouldn't be doing my, my job here as the conduit of the people and asking the expert the question if I didn't ask about that Philadelphia angle, Imitep with Kenny Woosley. Uh, how important is that in his recruitment with his evaluation? Obviously, he has to be good enough to be at Penn State. Like, they have been clear about that. But just in general, the the view of the Philadelphia angle, trying to make inroads back in there, is this a huge help? Is this – how do you view that, you know, storyline in this recruitment? Uh, I mean, they've been on – they've been on Wolsey for a long time. I, I would say – you know, maybe it's something that they would have to think more about if this class was at 18 commitments. I, I don't, I, I just think it comes down at the end of the day. It's just, are you a player or are you not? And I think that they've always thought that he's a player. So I don't, I don't, I don't see it as like, oh, we got to take Kenny because we got to get back in with Imitap. I mean, they've always had good relationships there. I mean, you know, it's, there's been times where they feel like Penn State should take a player and Penn State holds off or whatever. And, you know, that is what it is. You'll find that at every school. I mean, to me, it's still more so like St. Joseph's Prep, for example. That's kind of more the school where I think they need to get a um, more of a foot in the door. But, you know, as far as Philadelphia general, and a lot of these guys also train together too. Just because they go to different schools, they have different mm-hmm. – they all train together in, in some sort of way, different 707s and things like that. But uh, I, I don't I don't think it's anything like they're taking him because they need to get in with better with that school. I wouldn't say that at all. I think they just think he's a, a good player. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else on Woosley that you think is interesting we haven't covered yet that I haven't asked you? Um, not not really. Uh, I just I like to I like to um see him a little more in a 7 on 7 setting this year. Uh, like I said, every time I every time I go see him play live, I just don't I don't get a lot out of it. And then of course, when I do go to 7 on 7 up at Penn State, there's 40 plus teams. I you know, I I watch him, but there's always a couple committed players or something like that I haven't felt like I've been able to focus on him as much as I'd like to. So I'd like to see him a little bit more uh, in action this spring and summer, but I think he's a quality player. I think he's a guy that's going to end up being right on that uh, four-star, three-star bubble. Like right now he's an 88. I could see him kind of staying between that 88 and 90 bubble uh, throughout, throughout the course of the year there. So I think if uh, he's certainly one of those guys where I think like skill set and all that works, I think it's just five eleven. I think that's a big reason why, um, you know, they, they kind of look at him, uh, uh, as a, as a high three-star at the moment. So we'll see if anything, you know, if he grows or anything like that, I think he's 
for the most part, pretty maxed out. Uh, has better reach than I think uh, people realize too. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I see him being a high three, high three star. And uh, let's see how things progress over summer. Maybe he can crack that uh, low four star range. So Penn State projected now to get two more players, doubling uh, the size of the class of 2024. And uh, of course, bluewhiteillustrated.com if you want more insider information on those players and more details that Ryan isn't telling you right now because uh, this is our YouTube channel. This is where we talk to the, the, the people about the stuff. But if you want the real inside details, bluewhiteillustrated.com, sign up for $29.99. And uh, you get access now until the start of football season for that price. So you get all that insider information and uh, we'll get you all that stuff there. And as always, subscribe here to the YouTube channel, like the video, hit notifications, always helpful to the almighty algorithm, which we're all battling every day like the wind uh, when you're out at sea, uh, to continue our pirate metaphor. Now, (laughs) let's get on to the main uh, topic of the show today. The On 300 was released this afternoon. Uh, there's some been, there's been some movement, some surprises, and Ryan's going to break all of it down, and I'm going to give my voice a rest because that pirate voice I did earlier was uh, it, it gave me a little more gravel today. So, Ryan, take it away. <laughs> well, I think the big takeaway, I would say, it was about 64, 65, I believe it is, uh, guys that I think Penn State's seriously in the mix with. Uh, that that list is for free over at BWI, uh, so check it out. Uh, anybody can read it. I just put the list together of the guys that I think Penn State's truly in the mix with or important guys for them. You know, out of that sixty some, uh, they've already hosted over fifty of them. Uh, that I think that's a very important number. Uh, obviously, they they got a lot more visits to come, but uh, you know, considering the twenty twenty four classes just kind of starting, it's not really just starting, but uh, really coming into focus. You know, already having fifty plus guys on campus is is a great sign. Uh, I'll go through it, you know, 100 or one to 100, well, 101 to 200 and so on, just to kind of break it into the pieces. That's kind of how I always look at it. Uh, at the top, you have Dylan Stewart now uh, at a Friendship Collegiate Academy defensive end. He is the number one rated player in the country now. Uh, he was always going to be a five-star guy. I think his previous rating was number five. So not it's a big jump because he's number one now. Uh, but not a big as far as some of these other numbers, some of these other guys. Uh, for example, Benedict Ume, uh, Avon Old Farms prospect, who we've talked about quite a bit here, uh, jumps from un, outside the on 300, unrated, to number 24 in the nation. That is a massive jump and a, a sign that he is a potential five-star guy. And honestly, uh, he is probably, him and Gerby Lambert, Gerby Lambert's at number 30, I would mark those two as Penn State's best opportunities to land a potential five-star player in this class. Of course, things are going to shuffle around more. Uh, let's see uh, where they are at, you know, in summertime, things like that. But there are, uh, I look at Ume and he hasn't visited Penn State yet, but there's no doubt in my mind, just from the early relationship and, and ties to different people that he has, that Penn State should be a, a serious player with him. So all of a sudden he's becoming that guy uh, mm-hmm. that I think uh, if Penn State's going to get a five-star in this class, he makes a lot of sense for that. So Can of course I, I said Gerby Lambert's at number 30, a couple other notables, Caleb Odom, uh, who we learned last week's taking an official visit to Penn State in June. He had a massive jump up from number 118 to number 38, uh, tight end out of Georgia. Sir, uh, I haven't talked to Caleb a whole lot, so I, I want to learn more there on, on his interest. I think the general thought is he'll probably still end up staying down south, but here we go again. Ty Howe putting Penn State in, in, in good positions with, with top tight end prospects, so let's see how that uh, progresses in the, in the months to come. Uh, a couple other guys, Jordan Lyle uh, out of St. Thomas Aquinas running back, another big jump from him up from number 98 to number 53. Yeah, Vabu Torre. Um, 
up to number 58. He was previously number 79. Liam Andrews drops a little bit down to 57. He was at previously number 41. Then you got a couple other guys here that uh, I highlighted. You got the John Mitchell, Jacksonville, cornerback that I knew Penn State was in the mix with. He came up for the whiteout game, but the more I'm learning, uh, I think Penn State is in a very good position with him. They might be the, the team to beat at this point in his recruitment. He jumps from number 217 to number 61 in the country. Uh, a lot of comparisons with Joey Porter Jr. That's that's Penn State's angle there just from a size perspective. They like him a lot. So Mitchell with the big jump. Ethan Callaway, offensive tackle out of North Carolina, up from 126 to number 71. And you have two more in the top uh, 100. You have Darian Mayo, uh, defensive end out of good counsel. He jumps from previously unrated to number 92. And then you have Quinton Martin at number 99. Quinton was previously number 73. So, uh I'm still – I think Quentin Martin's a little bit better than 99, personally. I still think he's a top 50 prospect. I think if you watch Bell Vernon this year, and I was able to do that twice, uh, they used him a lot as a decoy, and he wasn't able to put out some of those big stats. And I think when you're comparing him to all these national prospects, I think that's that, that may be part of it. And then it's also positionally, too. I mean, Quentin Martin – right now is being recruited as a running back. And I think a lot of people think that uh, there's other positions, uh, whether it be wide receiver, whether it be linebacker, he's even brought up defensive back. So I think that the positional flexibility is a good thing, but it's also making it a little bit harder, I think, for for Charles and them to to grade him a bit. So uh, I, I still have Quentin Martin uh, as, as without a doubt. I, I mean, without a doubt, the best player in Pennsylvania in my mind. And, uh, you know, somebody that Penn State is going to be going incredibly hard after no matter where the hell he ranks in these ratings. I want to ask you about Ume uh, quickly. Defensive end or defensive tackle? Because he's his frame is huge, and I know he's unbelievably advanced from a physical perspective, so he might just look like a defensive tackle right now and be a defensive end. What do you get the sense there of what his position might be? So we have him at 6'5", 240. The issue is he hasn't visited anywhere yet. So I don't know how legit that number is. And until he yeah. gets to Penn State, it's kind of hard to figure that out. I mean, his coach has made it clear – uh, talking to Coach uh, Hooley, uh, John Hooley up at Avon. I mean, he he thinks that he, one of those guys who probably comes in as a DN, potentially grows into an interior guy down the road. Uh, but again, I just I kind of need to see how legit those numbers are. From I mean, there's no reason for me to doubt those numbers, seeing pictures and all that. I mean, he's very impressive looking prospect. I, I think six four two six five. I think it was six five. Yeah, six five two forty. I mean, if he's six four, it, 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 that's fine. I think all those numbers are probably going to be where he ends up, but uh, just got to see how he grows too. Is he one of those guys that's really gone through his growth growth spurt and kind of stays there? Because it, it, it's similar to Jameel Lyons in some ways. Uh, I thought Jameel Lyons absolutely going to grow into an interior guy, and, and he never really added any weight for a year and a half. So just kind of hard to say right now. You, you have another year and a half to go until uh, that has to get absolutely sorted out. But uh, I, I would I would think that he comes in as a defensive end and see how it grows. Yeah, he just the way he looks on film, he's got the build of a defensive tackle. But you, I just you never know because you, all of the different competition levels and you, you mentioned not having all of the details there. Quentin Martin, again, you, you mentioned the positional thing. Um, I guess I don't have another question about that, just other than uh, it just seems very low. It just seems very low for a player that has the athleticism of uh, of a guy like Quentin Martin. Do you mm-hmm. think that he was another guy that that grew early and a lot of guys caught up to him or is it really kind of the, no. the situation you described? I went and saw him play a game this year. He had like 20 yards rushing. <laughs> you know, like it, it was more than that. I was I'm exaggerating. Yeah. It's like 40 50, but I just I just think when you for someone like Charles for example, right? 
Quentin Martin hasn't been to any camps. He did go to a seven on seven, and that was a, a good performance for everything I understand. But it just from you know getting key numbers, Charles is Charles cares about numbers as he should, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the film is very important too. Uh, we don't have key numbers on on Quentin, you know, forties things like that, and uh, we also don't uh, have the growth on film that we saw. I mean, they, he, and they gave a lot of, I mean, Bell Vernon won a state championship for a reason. They have a lot of playmakers around him. You know, they found success this year, kind of using Quinton Moore's. I'm not saying he wasn't valuable. They used him a lot, but uh, you know, they had, they had other guys that uh, could get in space when you have Quentin Martin get double teamed all the time. So I think that that's part of it. And again, it's also February though. So talk to me yep. in when these are done in May, then it'll be done in July. Then they'll be done midway through the season such a long way to go. I mean, I added, if you go to our, if you go to the site and read the list, look at the bottom of the list too. I had all these guys that dropped out. I mean, half those guys that dropped out are going to jump back in. It's just, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're breaking down a list that's 15% done right now. So things will shuffle. They always do. Uh, To me, Quentin Martin is, I still think a top 50 guy. And I think Penn state firmly believes that too, from talking to them. Uh, so that's, you know, they, they know uh, as much as Charles and them are awesome. I'll still lean a little bit towards Penn state's grading of, of uh, Quentin Martin. Yeah. The last thing I'll ask you is this kind of like the Philadelphia question. And I know this probably is not your favorite question to answer because it's going to be the same answer. It's February, but path to a top 10 class. Is, is is there? Do you see one? You here? ask the craziest questions, dude. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's what people want to know. People want to no. know. Like, okay, so here's the list of players. Like, is this? Can you get a, a combination and permutation to get to the top ten? You gotta you gotta get to the top. Sure. 10. Yeah, Although there's now, sixty players to the top here. There's sixty players here who are awesome. <laughs> yeah, if they land, they land twenty of the, the top three hundred. Yeah, sure they will. But um, I don't know, man. It's so early for that. It just. Talk to me. I mean, I think you can honestly answer that when we get to official visits. That's when you can really figure that out because you know what they have now. You know who's leaning that way. I mean, there's just so many guys who, like, yeah, they came for a game. Uh, they, you know, they saw spring practice this year or next year. Like, they're in the ballpark with a ton of guys. But yeah, Penn State's also trying to compete with Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama. Clinton. I mean, if you're trying to compete at that top level, you're going to miss on a lot of these guys that right now they look like to be in, in, in great positions with. So, uh, again, I guess the one thing I would come back to is you got to land five stars. You yep. want to be a top 10 class, you got to land five stars. When I look at the top of this list right now, I don't see a lot of five stars Penn State has a great chance with. I think Benedict Ume, number 24, their best opportunity. Dylan Stewart's visited a little bit. Uh, Aaron Scott's going to probably end up at Ohio State. Mylon Graham is in a really good wide receiver out of Indiana. Has visited once. We'll see. Uh, it's kind of hard to, to figure out the wide receiver board with the, with the recent change, but – uh, no, I, I don't see another three, five stars like they did two years ago at the moment. No, I don't see that. So then the, the next question, and this is actually my curveball question, opening up the playoff, does that change your criteria at all of uh, the, the general conversation of being in the top five to compete for a national championship, being in the top 10 routinely to compete for being in the playoff? Uh, does that change anything or what Penn state has been doing? Is that now good enough because the threshold has changed? Um, I'm trying to understand your question. Like, I, I don't think anything's going to change with the playoffs. Is that what you're saying? Like, do, are they going to recruit so on a different level? No, no, no. What I'm saying is the college football playoff is expanding. So right. there has been a clear line of you need to be above this in recruiting and develop that talent in order to get to the playoff. Like that has been pretty well documented in this current format. The format is changing. So is the question I asked originally even a valid one? Because what Penn State has been doing of being in the top 
uh, 10 to 14. Okay. Um, that puts them in the playoff now, right? Yeah. Like, th- th- is, is it, is it now that that question we, we need to put less emphasis on that because they can, they can meet the criteria to get into the big dance where then chances and luck and fate can happen. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't say luck in college football is nearly as lucky as in college basketball, for example, you yeah. know, like it's, there's a reason Georgia is kicking everyone's ass right now. And that's because they have dogs there. I mean, uh, you know what, what's the bull nope. i don't know what joke i'm trying to say there but uh i, I look the penn state's going to be a playoff team moving forward are they going to get over the hump they got to beat ohio state they got to beat michigan they got to yeah sure you can keep recruiting a different level i don't i don't think a whole lot's going to change i still see penn state recruiting between top 15 and top eight classes and sure if they can put some wins together out against out you know with aller down the road and you know progress yeah maybe that'll help recruiting but they're always going to be at a disadvantage though being in the northeast until you get to ohio state's level where you can truly recruit nationally uh this isn't a situation where georgia for example i mean i, I haven't gone through this whole list but i bet there's 20 30 guys within uh atlanta uh probably mm-hmm. on this list i mean it is it is what it is georgia's always one of the deepest states so you're always going to be at a disadvantage from that level unless you start consistently beating Ohio state all the time and, you know, getting to the semifinals or the playoffs, something like that. But there's a long, long, long way to go before we get to that point. Uh, anything else from the on 300, which again, you can go check out his, yeah, we got a ton. I only went to the top 100 guys. So yeah, Yeah. we've got a lot of stuff to go through. I mean, uh, Jordan Thomas, one Oh six in the country. Now, uh, defensive lineman out of New Jersey. Uh, I think Penn state's going to definitely be in the mix. Adding Khalil Ahmed's important. Uh, I also think NIL is going to have a big impact there. So let's just see how that recruitment shakes out moving forward. You have Kevin Haywood at number 119 now. Uh, Haywood right now I think is probably the offensive lineman Penn State sits in the best position with. I think William Satterwhite as well. Uh, Satterwhite was in the on 300. He just dropped out. He's right on one of those bubble guys now. Uh, and I will say Haywood's a, a tackle. Satterwhite's a, an interior yeah. guy, so a little, little different. But uh you know, Haywood, Haywood uh, moving up from 183 to 119, uh, certainly good for Penn State. I, I think that there's a, a real chance that Haywood potentially is their top-rated offensive lineman in this class, depending on Gerby Lambert. I think Penn State's fading a bit with Liam Andrews. We'll see. But uh, I'm not getting as good of vibes there uh, as we once were. So uh, just a couple other guys, though, in that 100 to 200 range. You have Chance Robinson, St. Thomas Aquinas, moving up from 203 to 150. I think that's a I think people are really starting to realize how good of a player Chance Robinson is. I think we talk about Keelan Adams a lot, but if like if Penn State really could only take one wide receiver, I think there's quite a few people that would lean towards Chance Robinson uh, w- within the last building. And that's not a knock on Keelan. Obviously, they they need multiple receivers. They want both. Right. But I just think that speaks to how highly Chance Robinson is on their board. So uh, when you get to the bottom then, uh, 190 to 200 range, there's a couple guys. You got Deontay Armstrong, of course, the Armstrong twins, uh, Deontay moves from 269 to 194. You have Malachi Williams, uh, another Philadelphia guy who, of course, Penn State was his first major offer uh, after he came to junior day in the beginning of January. He goes from unrated to number 195. I think I think Sean and I talked about Malachi um, in the recent podcast. I think we did this guy like we're sleeping on. Like mm-hmm. what I'm getting at here is I actually uh, what I will say is I did a top five story recently of most important guys going in the spring. And when I put my original list together, he wasn't on it. And then when I reached out to a bunch of people that know the actual list, they made sure that he was on it. So I think it just speaks to Philadelphia guy who in Penn state's eyes is becoming massively important. I I think in some ways 
he's maybe now the second most important prospect in Pennsylvania behind Quentin Martin. I think that's how highly he's moving up Penn State's board. So uh, you also have Nair Daniels, too, number 199 in the country. He was previously unrated, the 6'7", 350-pound offensive lineman out of New Jersey. who uh, He was just on campus as well in January. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Uh, can we go through the, the, just roll through the next ones? <laughs> do you want to? Yeah, yeah. I don't have any questions. I don't have any questions. I don't know. No, That's no. All. So with with Daniels, I think like there's a lot of growth potential there by getting smaller. Like I, I do think like yeah. it. I I've said before like one of the reasons I got into scouting is because I didn't trust other talent evaluators. But Charles and I agree a lot on these things. I think 199 is a great place for Daniels right now. He just needs to kind of unlock that athleticism you can see the movement skills but he's bogged down by being 350 so change three seven now let me clarify three yeah he's three seven let let's get to 350 then and see what happens um yeah. I, and i just i loved deontay armstrong i loved lo- just looking at him in person he is built the way you want to tackle to be built so yep. um those guys are are super important i like kevin haywood too obviously he's got uh i think pretty narrow fit in terms of what offensive line position he might work out at but he also would be very good at that position um so pretty strong here in the offensive line through the uh very through the strong. 200s yeah yeah, sorry. Very strong year. Um, yeah, and then Devontae, his brother, too, is at number 247. He was at 299 previously. So both Armstrong brothers are moving up in the ratings. Both are incredibly important. Both also just got Ohio State offers not that long ago, by the way. So let's see. That's uh, I think that, that those offers are going to change up some things. But, you know, in that bottom half, there's not there's not as much movement upwards. There's obviously when you get to the bottom half, more so guys moving down. Josiah Brown, the Long Island prospect moving down to number 240. He was number 50 previously. That's a big jump and one I need to talk to Charles about, kind of see what uh, what he's learned there. He's still an incredibly important prospect for Penn State. Of course, uh, you have Cooper Cousins at number 271. He was number 219 previously, so Cooper drops about 50 spots. Uh, mm-hmm. Still with one three hundred, but uh, you know certainly a guy I want to ask talk to Charles about. Uh, Samaj Jones, uh, two forty one. Samaj actually moved up a little bit. Quarterback out of St. Joseph's Prep. Uh, he is now he was previously two fifty one. Now two forty one. Not that big of a move. And then you also have Michael Van Buren. Uh, he dropped from number two hundred two to number two ninety seven. So uh, this this bottom half of the list certainly a lot of guys that I'll be reaching out to Charles about. I usually reach out to Charles and I'll do a story later in the week on just kind of his thoughts on some of the key guys. And uh, a lot of those guys will be part of that. Uh, there were some guys, too, that dropped off the on 300. I want to make sure we yeah. just note a couple of them. Uh, Duke Watson's a running back we talked about a lot from Georgia. Guy's very high on Penn State. He fell off the list. Uh, let's see who else we have here. We have Kosh Sanders, uh, defensive back out of New Jersey, dropped off the list. I, I mentioned William Satterwhite earlier, dropped off the list. Dominic Nichols, Maryland defensive end, dropped off the list as well. Uh, and then Jacob Smith, obviously defensive uh, defensive end out of uh, – he's originally from Kentucky. He's now up in New England schools. Uh, he dropped off too. So a couple guys dropping off, but, again, this rating is going to be done. This ranking is going to be done, I don't know, four, five, six more – probably more than that. I think it probably – five, six, seven more times uh, between this is all done. They usually update it every two to three months, basically. So long, long way to go. And then they actually do it at the end. They do it like three times within a span of two months, I believe it is. So I think it's six more updates. So long, long, long way to go. And a lot of these guys are going to fall off. There's going to be a lot of guys who are unrated now who are going to jump into it. Don't yeah. put crazy stock into some of this stuff, but I do think it's important because this is only the second rendition. And it's also the update since the season. 
uh, for, yeah. for a lot of these guys. And that's, that's why it's important because this is kind of the foundation now of the on 300. The first one is what we think we know, but we really need yeah. to see more film. Now this is where I, I consider this the start of the list. And now guys are going to continue to move, but maybe not quite as drastic as some of the moves we saw this week. I think it's interesting and illuminates the quarterback situation. You mentioned Samaj Jones, 241, Michael Van Buren, 297. Um, and also, if you're not if you're not in on uh, Mike Yersich, I, I his his ability to evaluate quarterbacks is is obvious to me because Luke Cromanhoek now is a top sixty player. Yeah, uh, previously unranked. We, we uh, because he's committed to Florida State and that whole situation. Um, that's the as you've mentioned, that's their top guy. And I think it also to what you and Fitz have been talking about here about quarterback is like it's a tough cycle. It's going to be a really tough cycle for them because Croman Hoke, their top guy, committed to another school, and then the other guys in the region are just kind of floating at the bottom of the on three hundred, which is a good place to be in considering, you know, all of the all of the players that play high school football. But when we're talking about that conversation we had in the middle of the show about where is your program going and with, you know, now two years since Drew Aller, you're hoping to get another blue chip quarterback. Is that possible this cycle? And I think that kind of illustrates that. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're four-star quality guys. They're just, they're undersized a little bit. I think that's yep. part of it. Like Samaj Jones. I know Charles likes Samaj Jones a lot. It's just, it's like five ten, And you know, obviously that's a, that's a concern. At, at the next level. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how these guys move uh, move up and down the board, obviously, with seven-on-sevens coming up. That is important, especially, I mean, you take anything from seven-on-sevens, it's, it's quarterback and wide receiver play and cornerbacks, too, to some degree. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I, it's, they're gonna, I think they're going to get one of those. I do. I feel pretty good about them getting Samaj or Van Buren. It's really hard for me to see both of those guys in the same yeah. class, though. And, and they will take two quarterbacks this year. So I do still think somebody that we're not talking about uh, will potentially emerge. Of course, we weren't really talking about Drew Aller. We're just now we're starting to talk about Drew Aller uh, two plus years ago. And of course, Bo yeah. Bula was already committed by then. So we'll see how it shakes out. I do feel, I mean, Van Buren, I think is kind of leaning towards Penn state. Samaj has been very quiet uh, and, and, and kind of hard to read, but uh, they certainly, they feel good about both. Let's just see which one jumps first. All right. Now, any last thoughts about the on 300? No, not really. I, I I don't have much more to add. I mean, I will say Jaden Bradford dropped off too. He was somebody I didn't leave yeah. on earlier, another quarterback guy. But uh, no, I mean, it's a good list. Like I said, I, I think there's a lot here. This is this is kind of how I look as as the foundation of it. And let's see things where well, let's see where things go uh, fr- from here. But uh, Quentin Martin, I think, is a little bit too low. And there's a couple other guys that I think are really finally getting their due, like Benedict Ume, uh, Quit Luke Cromahoke's another one. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see where things go. All right, so that'll do it today for the BWI Daily Edition. This is the recruiting show. We'll be back tomorrow with a live show at 7 p.m. Got some great stuff coming up this week. The Combine is starting, so I talked to uh, Max uh, Chadwick of PFF. He's their college analyst, their lead college analyst, and I found out during the interview, a huge Penn State fan. So for people that go, bah, PFF, he's one of you. 
on the uh, so so check that out. I think we'll be doing that on Wednesday. So check that out here, and of course subscribe so you don't miss it. Hit notification button so that you uh, know when we drop all of our live airings of the show and when we go live live on Tuesday, so you can be a part of it. Answer question or ask questions, have them answered, give your opinion, all the great stuff here on the show. That's Ryan Snyder. I am Thomas Frank Carr. Fitz will be back next week on the Recruiting Show. We'll talk to you later. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.